Hello, you're listening to Just Outside the Box. Uh, I am presenting today. It's George Kelsey, uh, as you can tell by my non-scouse dulcet tones. Uh, Joel is unfortunately not with us. He's working. But anyway, we're going to do a bit of a, a World Cup review, World Cup special. Keep eating, Jason. It's fine. <laughs> no, I, 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 I changed my mind on the gum. I think it would be too horrific for the listeners. Sorry, go on, Joel. So as you can tell, uh, one hungry beast is in the studio. That's Jason. Next to him, staring intimately into his eyes. Is Matthew Gregory? Say uh, hello, Matthew. Yeah, hello. Excellent. And finally, Michael. Bonjour. Bonjour, ça va? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's go straight into it, like an England set piece. <laughs> so the final was played at time of recording. It was last night. Uh, France ended up winning 4-2 against Croatia. Uh, it looked at one point like the French were going to walk away with it, going to run away with it when uh, the fourth goal went in. But credit to Croatia, they stuck in there. Uh, got quite a lucky goal, but still, 4-2 is probably a fair reflection. Um, what did you guys think of the final? Yeah, um, I, th- I thought it was a pretty good final. Um, it's, this is the fifth World Cup I can remember, and it's probably the, the best final I can remember. Um, Croatia certainly went for it, didn't they? They gave it a good goal, especially in the first half. Um and to be fair to France, they although they were kind of pretty disciplined, sat back, they, they still offered a lot going forward, didn't they? Especially with Mbappe mm. counter-attacking um, from the right wing. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it is a shame, the one thing is, I think it's a bit of a shame that the refereeing decisions are, are going to be talked about so much. Um, what did, yeah, what did you think about? That's obviously that one, in particular, that one decision that led to one of <coughs> France's goals with the penalty. What, what did you think about that? Do you think it was a penalty? No, no, I don't think it was, no. no. Um, it's interesting though that because I kind of flitted between BBC and ITV coverage of the match and their pundits were pretty unanimous that it wasn't a penalty but from social media and, and speaking to kind of friends and stuff who are big football fans it seems to be a little bit more mixed than that and quite a few people mm-hmm. maybe seem to maybe understand why it was given I personally don't think it's a penalty because it, it's travelled so little distance mm-hmm. from MTD's head I don't actually know if MTD did make contact with it or not but you know, it's it's he's expecting MTD to head it. He wasn't ready for it. His arms were down by his side, and he, I think his, his eyes are actually closed as well when when the ball comes towards MTD. And I just don't think he can see it to get his yeah. arms out of the way. There's no movement in any way, kind of towards it. I think it was really really harsh. It's quite a natural movement, isn't it? When yeah. when you do jump, you're either going to have your elbows out or you're going to have your arm down like this, yeah. which is what Perisic did. Mm. So um, yeah, the I think it's a shame reaction. as well because VAR, for the most part, has been really, really successful this tournament, and it's been it's probably been the best ever, I think, for VAR so far. Yeah, I I think it was a real mistake personally. I think even so, yeah. the even potentially to to go and use VAR and you know go even go into it, and then from there, then even the decision that was given after looking at it, there was two mistakes almost potentially with VAR. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, the handball rules or the guidelines for referees have a huge amount of room for interpretation. There's a lot of stuff in there about distance travel between yeah. the last point of contact to the player, natural movement to the hand. But there is only one absolute constant in the rule. The only absolute definite thing is it must be deliberate. Mm. And I've no idea how you can say clearly and obviously, mm. apparently as VAR needs it to be, that that was a deliberate handball. I don't think it was at all deliberate. As you say, it's a very short distance from away from him. It looked like a perfectly natural movement of his arm to me. It was an error by the referee, and I don't understand how he's come to the conclusion, watching it again, that it could possibly be clearly deliberate. Because it's not. if and if it is deliberate, it is not clearly so. There was more of an hour of the game to go as well. They've just got back into it. And also, Perisic is at the front post. Why, why would you want to stick your hand out? If he was sat on maybe the back post in the 89th minute, and it's one all 
yeah, maybe you would deliberately try and bat it out, do a Suarez. But I'm completely with you. I didn't, I didn't see it being a penalty at all. Well, it reminded me of the penalty given against Cedric in the Portugal-Iran um, game. Um, but yeah, well, there's the same situation where the VAR assistants have obviously called the referee over, go and have a look, it's in his hand, have a check, and he changed his mind in spite of all the clear evidence that there's just no way it could have been deliberate. Jason, do you reckon, not just on the final, but overall in the tournament, do you think the French are worthy winners? I was going to say, there's no point asking me about the final, I missed it. Um, That's why I didn't say it, so that you could get away with it. I was actually no, thinking to myself, how long is this conversation going to go on about the final without cheating? <laughs> being no, I, um, I, had a, I had a job induction. I've got it recorded. I'm going to go home after this. You did this know the score, right? Nope. Um, yeah, no. Yeah, no, of course, it did, of course it did. I was I was keeping up to date with the minute by minute and that. Oh, okay. um, do I think France are worthy winners? I think what I would say about it is, is that, for me, the teams who tend to do best in, in tournament football are the ones who maybe don't dismantle teams with ease. They maybe just go about things, you know, coast through their group. Obviously, France, the first game against Australia, maybe could have gone either way. It was a little bit of a touchy one. The game against Denmark was absolutely dire, but they got through the group with relatively little effort. I'll be honest, when they played Argentina, I worried for them, not because they played Argentina, but just because they conceded three against a pretty shambolic side. And I thought when they come up against someone with a little bit more about them, they could be in trouble. But from that game onwards, they just seemed to hit another level. And, you know, I've, I've heard, obviously, yesterday they maybe weren't the better team. I, I can't verify that. But um, <laughs> but they they just seem to have got that, that champion mentality whereby you don't necessarily need to be at your best, but you can win a game. And I think no matter whether you're playing tournament football, mm. domestic football, whatever, the best teams are the ones who can pull it out when they're not at their best. We were having a chat um, before the tournament started, Matt, where we were talking about the Germans and um, I was nailing my colours to them as saying I thought the Germans would have a good tournament. Yeah, so did I, yeah. 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 But Matt Matt was actually saying he wasn't that convinced and um, the reason he was giving was that they hadn't actually performed that well throughout the 2014 World Cup as well. But Mm. the way you describe France is very similar. Germany, until the the Brazil (coughs) semi-final, yeah, they didn't convincingly beat anybody, but they were adaptable and they suited mm. whoever they were playing. The system was changed and stuff. So, cracking shout, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, did, I predicted Brazil to win the World Cup, so clearly not a perfect terrible shout, shout, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, they have very, very good players, and they weren't clearly the better tides last night. But I think people have slightly overegged the idea that Croatia were the better team as well because they had more of the possession. Right, and they did have more shots, but they didn't have many real chances. Yeah, they didn't create yeah, anything. Only one statistic that matters. That's the one in the top left-hand corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is very true. Um, although none of the goals, that I, as far as I recall, went in the top left corner. So uh, there you go. Um, Die. But yeah, that was terrible. Sorry. I re- actually, as <laughs> I came out, actually, of my mouth, I, think, I, I regret it deeply. I, I think it Griezmann's deeply. free kick went in the top left corner as well. Did Griezmann score a free kick? He, he scored. Well, sorry, Manjukas. I was going to say that was an own goal. Uh, you're right. That was a corner. Yeah. Well, by the way, what can we edit this out? Because oh, yeah, really, no, 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 no. I was built not. up as this super predictor who called all the shots <laughs> of the World Cup, <laughs> and now all the octopus. And I've got the same level of banter as uh, Paulie Octopus, apparently. Did you as see well. there was there was that mystic pig, and yeah, he, got, yeah. he got the semi-final yeah. wrong, and everyone took the social media saying you're just making it a pig. Yeah. <laughs> People well, the, are awful. Aren't the, well, they? They, they, this has become a thing now. Every tournament, there's dozens of these bloody mystic animals, and they, there was another octopus in Japan, and mm. it apparently predicted that Japan would lose to Belgium, so they ate it. Oh really? <laughs> but it was proven right. 
Uh, no, yeah, yeah. rather yeah, rewarding yeah. it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, but yeah, exactly. It was correct, but um, yeah, ro- maybe it would have predicted the whole path to the World Cup final. We won't know because it was turned into sushi. Okay. I, don't, I don't trust Octa Pie. I think they're scheming. Mm. I think they're very, very intelligent <laughs> life forms, and I think that if God forbid they learn how to breathe on land, we're all screwed. <laughs> so that's just my opinion. And and if any octopi are listening to this podcast, would it please be remembered? Well, they bloody understand it because they're that clever. Yeah. Yeah. Not that this is particularly highbrow. Paul the Octopus, the ones, the predictions they didn't show was when he predicted the year that octopi will be able to sprout <laughs> from the sea. Like the are you guys, just delib- are you guys deliberately <laughs> testing me by calling them octopi when it's is supposed it to be octopuses oh, yeah. or octopodes? Yeah, um, octopod. It is no octopodes because it's Greek, not Latin. Oh, oh my Octopinarino. <laughs> See, you're saying this podcast isn't that high brow. I am raising it yeah. up. Octopeter Odemwingy. Can I ask what did you uh did you record BBC or ITV? BBC. 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 Because I cannot stand Glenn Hoddle. Yeah. He kept calling Mandzukic Mandzukic. That's what I was gonna say. Yes. Really yeah. annoying yeah. Semi as well. Go straight on to the third place playoff talking about England. What did we think about um, how the team performed? There's a lot of scepticism going into the tournament, um, but there was also a lot of people saying that there's no expectation, so something could happen. And for me, a nation that's been divided so much politically over the last couple of years, it was really nice to see the team bring in everyone together for the same reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know what you guys think. Was it, was it something you'd expect to happen? Are you uh, more of a more of a sceptic saying that we didn't play really play anybody, and when we did, we got beaten, or... What were your thoughts? I, I was very much of the same mindset as you, whereby I thought that we were going in with a massively underappreciated set of players. I think, you know, domestically, a lot of them are hugely successful or have the potential to be hugely successful. But there was so little expectation that I really thought we couldn't lose. And I know there's the argument that we were in the easy side of the draw and we, you know, only beat Panama and Sweden in the quarters and all this sort of stuff. But you can only beat the teams that are in front of you. And, you know, and maybe if we'd held on against Croatia and you get to the final, maybe some of that is dispelled. But ultimately, I think that they were just an incredibly likeable, progressive football team who have, like you say, united a country. And I think that can only be a positive thing for me. You know, that's that's my opinion. I, I can honestly say I've never been proud of being an England fan. And Jordan Pickford. <laughs> I might call my firstborn Pickford. <laughs> <laughs> Little Pickford Jones. It's quite a good name. Imagine if he comes out and claims a cross and tries to ping it 40 yards as soon as he comes out. Well, you know, the, 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 thing, the thing for Pickford for me, I, I might have said this to you before, actually, George, is that he's a, he's two years older than me or something. He's this ratty looking ginger kid from the northeast <laughs> who plays in net, right? He came through at Sunderland, made himself number one there. He got his big money move to Everton. Which, you know, maybe isn't the dream for everyone, but whatever, 44. Um, and then, you know, he's forced his way in that England team. He's become number one. He's made that penalty save, that the save before the goal yeah, that we conceded against Colombia. I think it's it's arguably as good as Gordon Banks against Pelle. It's it's a remarkable save. It did appear to be going wide, though, which puts just, a slight damper Matt, that's, on it. that's not important. Yeah. It's a, I know, he, he I doesn't know, know that. If anything, it's more impressive because it's not even in the goal and he still reached it. It was a brilliant save, don't and, worry. Yeah, I'm like, not slating that. He's, he's living my dream. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's living out my dream That's and what I you just, could I, have won yeah, literally, I think, I think it's a brilliant pod- thing he's listening to this podcast thinking oh I'd love to be doing that podcast yeah. that Jason Jones he's living out all my dreams yeah. no yeah. but I, I, I think England overall it, it was it was great it was fantastic 
it really did. Like, if anyone would have said two months ago England would get the semi final of a World Cup, we would have, we probably all have laughed. Um, and it, it was, it was a real achievement. I do think that it, it, it should be viewed as the first step on the where England need to be. And Southgate's changed a lot, hasn't he? Even his, you know, kind of the way he deals with the media. I think the way that the England team, even things like the way they were on social media, uh, the, how they presented themselves was great. You know, this, he was, you know, he didn't just pick the likes of the Wilshers and the, and the Hearts. He picked the players. He picked the right players for the right team. You know, he didn't, there wasn't a 4-4-2 or a, or a 4-5-1. You know, he was progressive. There's so many positives, so many positives. You've got to pick the young team, whatever. There are still some negatives in my eyes, which I do think have been swept under the carpet a little bit. I do think he made some tactical mistakes, um, which have really been swept under the carpet. Like what? Well, there was, you know, George and I, we watched the, the semi-final together, and George, you kept saying it, that, Henderson was completely overran the mm. centre midfield. He was completely overran. You know, he needed, you said it for a long time, George, he needed to put Fabian Delph in there or Eric Dyer to help out because it was completely overran. You can't put one centre midfielder in against Modric and Rakitic. <laughs> you're, you're laughing, kind of. And I don't know where Harry Kane ended up playing, to be honest, especially the quarterfinal and semifinal. He was, he was almost like a centre midfielder and Ali and Lingard and Sterling were bombing on past him and he was trying to lay them in, you know, I do think, as I say, this, the tournament has been great and it's been really, really successful and it should be viewed as England, you know, rewriting a lot of the things they've done wrong in previous tournaments. But I hope that going into the next Euros and the next World Cup that actually Southgate will potentially look at some of the mistakes he made in this tournament. Although he did so much right, there were a few mistakes that I think he, he could correct. No, I agree completely. I think it partly stems as well from the... Moving to the three-five-two that we're playing with Sterling through the middle is a very recent thing for England. That only came, I can't remember if it was just before the turn of the year or after when we were playing some of the friendlies. Mm-hmm. So it's a very new system and I do think part of the problem was there haven't perhaps been time to pre- prepare alternative systems properly. And against Croatia, I agree, I don't think we, we didn't want three at the back because um, the way they set up, I think we needed to take one of the defenders out and put them in midfield so we didn't get overrun quite as much there. But you know, one way or the other, the system we had, the personnel we had, wasn't right for that game, and it did come back to cost us. And there's a learning experience there for Southgate himself, who's still not actually managed that for that long of a time. To bear in mind as well, he's still an inexperienced manager, managing managing an inexperienced team. But I completely agree with Michael about the way it changed the debate about the national team, the way mm. it changed people feel about the national team, both on the pitch and off it, which has been a hugely positive thing. And, you know, we, I think there's a bit of revisionism as well on this idea, oh, we didn't beat anyone of substance. And I just sort of think, well, since when were Colombia not a team of substance? Mm. We were terrified yeah. of them before the game. Mm. And then somehow after the game, it's, oh, it's only Colombia. And I know they were missing James Rodriguez, which made, made a big difference. And I know we didn't exactly thump them convincingly or anything, but they were a good team. And we, we were the better team. Yeah, I yeah, agree. I yeah, we, we, were. we definitely and, were. You know, yeah. we didn't dominate it, but we were definitely the better team. In that I agree. And Sweden, okay, limited team, but that's a Sweden that in qualifying saw off, got through a group which included the Netherlands, beat Italy in the playoffs, beat France during qualifying, came out of a group which included Germany. Like, okay, they're a limited team, but they're a tough nut to crack for Plus, a lot of very re- good our teams. Our record against Sweden is horrendous as well. And I know it's a different crop of players for both sides, yeah. but that does play, it does yeah. pay dividends in the end. As we saw with the Croatia game, we haven't got the best record against them. There, there um, is yeah. still some merit and some, um, you know, s- some achievement in, in beating a worse team than you. 
because yeah. it can it so easily happens that you that you choke they put 10 men behind the ball you know we saw it Spain Russia was the best example that Spain are just such a better team than Russia but they stifled them stopped them playing and ultimately snuck through now don't get me wrong it's it's not fantastic it's not a great achievement that England beat Tunisia is it but but it isn't you know to some degree it is a little bit of an achievement that, yeah. to not at uh, the end of the day as well it's a World Cup. Every team who is there has earned their place there. It's not as if you're talking about, you know, Man United beating Crawley Town or whatever. Like, th- these are international professional footballers. And I know, obviously, mm. there's a there's a disparity in quality. But a team like Sweden, I think, are probably the best example. Like, what you're saying there, Matt. Like, yeah, they might not be as good as England, whatever that may mean. But they know how to set up and frustrate. And, you know, it took Germany an age to break them down. Mm. They were lucky to get the win, Germany. I thought that we did brilliantly against Sweden. We we took the game to them. We moved them about nicely. And ultimately, we got a reward for that, you know. so Yeah, I, I agree completely. Like I thought, generally speaking, we played well. We were poor against Croatia, um, which was disappointing, of course. And we were poor in the two games against Belgium. But obviously, those were games which, in the context, was very different. I don't, I, think, yeah. I don't think we were taking it as seriously as perhaps we could have done. Certainly, you know, the attitude on the pitch was noticeably less intense mm. than it was against Colombia, Sweden, for instance. So, you know, I, I think we should only be coming out of this with positives. It was a very young squad. So was Francis, to be fair, as well, which is the counterpoint of how much further you can go with a young squad. Yeah. And we've got a lot of very talented young players coming through. Like, we're about to see Sessegnon in the Premier League. You know, players like Sancho and Lookman doing very well yeah. abroad. There's a lot of players who could easily break into the first team alongside the youngsters we've already gotten. We could have this team together for five, ten years and just improving, playing together, getting to know each other's games, their own games better over that time. Yeah, I think the semi-finals was a degree of overachievement this time round, and we can go even further in the future. Though it's it's cause for optimism at the very least. Yeah. If you had to, sorry, go on, Michael. Genuinely, you look at that squad now. How many of those players will probably be too old to play in the next World Cup? Three. Yeah. Uh, Ashley Young, Gary oh, Cahill, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Jamie Vardy. That's three at a mm. twenty-three man squad. That is, there's very very few countries. They've got that squad, that type of squad together. That's a real, real achievement. And mm. you can never, like, you know, four years ago we had Luke Shaw at the World Cup, who was, what, 19? And you're saying, oh, what's he going to be like in four years? Well, it hasn't panned out. <laughs> yeah. but, the thing but, is, but, Luke Shaw, what's he going to be like in another four years? <laughs> he's going to come storming back and he's going to be the best left back this country seen since Ashley Cole. But what I mean is that there's, you know, you can never predict, you're never going to predict that Loftus-Cheek will go on and keep getting mm. better and better. But hopefully he does. And then and on the flip side of that, you know, a year ago, if we'd have been picking this England team, Deli Ali would have just been nailed on to play in the number 10 role. And Jesse Lingard wouldn't have been anywhere near it. No, yeah. 12 months on, Lingard's probably moved ahead of Deli Ali in the pecking order. Yeah, so. his, career, his career progression in the last year has been incredible, Lingard. He mm. always seemed a bit sort of getting in, the, getting in the United team because of Man United's ethos of bringing through their own players and he kind of was in mm. as sort of the poster boy for that. But he has fully justified his place in the squad and um, but for getting a little tired at the end of the Croatia game, I think he's had a, he's had a brilliant tournament. Yeah. yeah, I fully agreed. And, you know, I, I didn't expect too much of Kieran Trippier, who's another one who oh, yeah. I, I don't, I've never disliked him. I always thought he was a good player, but he really sort of played above himself this tournament. I, I love that. I thought man. he was the best right back going yeah. in, in, you know, in the whole World Cup um, with some other very good players in that yeah. position. So, yeah, I mean, not all of them will come good. Some of them won't work out in the long yeah, run. That's, that I think happens, that's my, that was my point. There are so many of them. Point, yeah. The volume of talented young players we have is so yeah. high right now. That the other thing is a good chance as well. 
is that like, who'd heard of Marcus Rashford four years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are players who yeah. we can't even comprehend. <laughs> 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 no, but seriously, there are players you've never heard of in the academies Pick- right now. We didn't know Pickford. about Pickford two years ago. Well, you, you, well, I, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you had to pick one <laughs> England player in particular, if you're really pressed to, because I know there's a couple of mm. candidates, who would you say has been England's player of the tournament? Trippier for me. Yeah, yeah. Trippier yeah. narrowly ahead of Henderson for me. Or Maguire, Henderson, they've both been excellent. Uh, yeah, Maguire, obviously, mm. Pickford as well. But no, Trippier for me. I don't think anyone in the starting eleven played badly. No. They've all been brilliant. No, they, they were all either good or very, very yeah. good. John Stones deserve him. I was going to say John Stones. Because yeah. it's the first time that I've seen him play and not felt as if he was on the cusp of some sort of horrendous error. Like obviously, <laughs> you could argue that the goal against Croatia, the Manzuic goal... He just switched off, didn't switched off. Yeah, It happens, unfortunately. But it does happen. But in terms of his general play... I mean, the third-place playoff. It's a third-place playoff. I thought he was he's, brilliant. He's yeah. throwing himself yeah. in. Mm. You know, limbs everywhere, just doing anything he can. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, John Stones deserves a mention as well for me. Definitely. I think my player tournament would be Pickford, to be honest, just Fairs. just because of how well he did. Um, but Trippier and Maguire, yeah. yeah, God, all, all worthy, all worthy of it. Uh, interestingly, I don't think anyone would say Harry Kane. No. <laughs> which, no is, which is really, you know, he's top goal scorer. He's, yeah, but... he's got a golden boot. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird because that's one of the problems Southgate has to work out in over the next couple of years in the build-up to the Euros is how to get better service into one of the best strikers mm. in the world because we've got a guy who scores a huge percentage of his opportunities but we don't get him that many opportunities yeah. outside of set pieces. Which, that's makes, him, which makes him move back, makes him move out Exactly, he came deeper and deeper there. to try and get the ball and that's the, that's the big puzzle I think England need to solve. I think we're working on stuff like the possession, passing out from the back has been a world away from even where we were a year ago in terms of the way we use the ball but we do need to work out how to actually use the ball efficiently in the final third. So if we had to think of a highlight of the tournament, not just England um, but obviously Harry Kane's stoppage time winner in the first game or the penalty shootout win are going to be big candidates. But if we had to think of one highlight of the entire tournament, what would we go for? Eric Dyer's penalty for me. All those years of growing up watching penalty <laughs> shootout miss after penalty shootout after penalty shootout. Finally, just I was just in a pub going absolutely yeah. crazy. Having As soon as um, Henderson missed, I just resigned myself. I thought that was it. Yeah. All hope completely disappeared in one moment and yeah it just went completely mad it's great I was nearly reduced to tears like I, I couldn't sit down hey, for about 15-20 yeah, minutes I, will, I, I was just yeah. shouting I thought I shouted myself hoarse yeah. like, I couldn't talk properly the next yeah. day because I just yelled so much it's fantastic yeah. what, what are we thinking time to be alive yeah Planty what's your favourite moment I think mine's probably quite a unique moment um, given my circumstances that I've always been an England fan despite having these lovely dulcet tones um, but I've never lived in England during a World Cup. Um, my only one experience of an England match during the World Cup in England was the 2002 last 16 game against Denmark. Um, so Ferdinand <laughs> did that dance when he scored. I, I, I remember, the, I remember yeah. the game. I remember we were 3-0 up at half-time. Um, but that's all I remember. But So for me, being in England, when all, you know, there's so much positivity, all this uh, football's coming home, it, it, was abs- it was just amazing. And, you know, we were speaking kind of before the programme that th- this is certainly my favourite World Cup that I can remember. And that England success and being here and kind of living that, it's, it's, for me, that's probably my highlight. Um, it's been brilliant. Definitely the penalty as well. Uh, yeah, that was just amazing. Honestly, as you say, when Henderson missed, I thought that's it. Even before the penalty shootout, I thought that was it. And then, yeah, that was amazing. And then the only other one from a kind of non-England standpoint was... Um, Marcus Rojo's winner against Nigeria. That was that was, that was amazing. Yeah. That was class. It was really, really good. 
kind of a little bit meaningless in the end because they <laughs> went out a couple of days later. But what a was, finish! Oh, what a finish! It's class. It was so good. But yeah. yeah, they're mine. Yeah, Jason Shirley, Jordan Pickford, Sunderland lad. Yeah, that penalty save. Just incredible, <laughs> absolutely incredible. It shows how scarred we are by penalties. Like, no, no, my um, my favourite moment. I really like the opening ceremony. Um, oh, no, Rob, I'm, I'm, Robbie's performance. Massive Robbie fan. Robbie's performance. Huge Robbie fan. My only disappointment is is that he didn't do party like a Russian. But obviously that was for diplomatic reasons. Uh, because I mean, the fact that Robbie made it to the World Cup is quite remarkable. Because you know, when he released Party Like a Russian, basically the Moscow press said, "We're never having him back." It's as simple as that. He's done. He's blown it. But he got there, put on a hell of a show. <laughs> thought the lass who was singing Angels with him was a bit off key, but we'll get past that. Um, what else? I thought Ronaldo's free kick against Spain. Oh, yeah. That, that for me was, because that was, what, the third game, fourth game? Something like that. And I thought when that went in, I thought we might have a tournament on our hands here. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just had that, it had the feeling of something special. And, and obviously it was a remarkable thing to be able to do instead of take it under that much pressure. Another moment I enjoyed um South Korea beating Germany. Not yeah. not because it's Germany. I'm not, you know, some sort of blind patriot in that sense. <laughs> but I just thought it was such a huge footballing thing. It was just remarkable. Yeah. And and for South Korea, who I, I actually really liked South Korea. I thought the goalkeeper was incredible in particular. Mm. But um yeah it was just a, a real feel good moment unless you're German yeah. I really enjoyed that yeah. I'm amazed no one has talked about Batshuayi kicking the ball <laughs> in his own face it was just incredible <laughs> for someone as well like Batshuayi who was kind of he's on the fringes of the squad a bit and um, he's had a little bit of stick in in England, well, he just of. had that absolutely awful game where he missed. Well, he yeah. scored one and missed what four or five yeah. absolute yeah. sitters. So he was giving it the big end, like over celebrating, and then he smacks it in his own face. That just absolutely class. He handled it well, though, didn't he? Yeah, yeah After, he did. I yeah, thought he was really good about it. He yeah, has come across like a really good lad. Yeah. That. Like, uh, yeah, we dealt with it. Bottom, Mitchy. Well, I was about to say he took it on the chin, but that might be a little <laughs> bit too much. <laughs> Honorable mention for the Iranian. <laughs> Fellow who tried to do a oh, yes. oh, God. oh my yeah. days. <laughs> really good. Oh my days. We've all tried it. We've all tried it. I have I I've, I've never tried it. George has tried it. I've think, tried it. <laughs> as, I think I'm aware of as well as his one. <laughs> it was just, do you know what the best thing about that was? And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. He, he not only did he mess up the throw, he then threw it short and he, the guy who threw it to instantly got tackled and Spain went on a counter attack and he like blew it up straight away. So he not just he messed it up, he then messed up the set, yeah. like taking the actual throw. Luka Modric has been voted as the player of the tournament, which is, which is justified, to be fair, because he's had a brilliant tournament. He's helped Croatia achieve their highest ever finish in the World Cup. Um, but what are we thinking? Do you think he, he should have been player of the tournament? I mean, there's a lot of different suggestions that have been thrown about. Um, but yeah, what, what are we thinking? I think it was always going to be a toss-up between him and probably Mbappé and probably Eden Hazard, yeah. if we're being honest. Because I, I think Hazard, you know, obviously, I still don't think he was playing at his full potential. I think he probably could have stepped it up another gear on top of that. But there were just some moments of just pure inspiration that he brought to that Belgian team. And I think he was fantastic. I, I think, I said this to you before, George, there's always an element of diplomacy that goes around these things with FIFA. Mm. And I think, obviously, with Mbappe, a winning young player. Yeah, um, yeah. The thing with Mbappe, it's a strange one because he's obviously, like, what, the... the he's not the most, he's Neymar's the most expensive player, but second most expensive player ever. And yet he still managed to have a breakout tournament. Yeah, it's yeah. just remarkable. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, 
obviously we all sort of knew how good he was, but I don't think anyone realised how good he was. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, you'd all heard he was good, but this this lad's like he balanced off for years. He's that good. I mean, have you seen the stat that he he's what nineteen <coughs> and he scored sixty goals and won three trophies at the age of nineteen? Like. Ronaldo had scored 12 and Messi had scored 13 or something. He's that mm. far ahead of the curve. He's he's just incredible. So, so good. He but is a fantastic I, yeah. player. But I don't think you can argue with Modric winning it personally. No. No. I think he's he's covered more ground than anyone else. He's real complete midfield performances as well, isn't it? Yeah. He, yeah. he may be, the start of the tournament, um, and particularly in the start of the Russia game as well in the quarters, Modric and Rakitic were getting caught out a little bit defensively. But as soon as someone like Brozovic was brought in alongside them or behind them, it released them to go forward. And that's when Modric really started mm. kicking on. Yeah, the sheer work of like Vasalko and Rebic in particular, yeah. sort of coming back from, you know, drifting away from the positions they were meant to be theoretically playing in order to get back, make tackles, get the ball back to Rakitic and Modric made a huge difference for mm. them. Um, the only sort of argument I'd make is I think Modric, you, the big debate seems to be Modric v Mbappe, as you're saying, for mm. the uh, golden ball. But I couldn't help but feel a bit sorry for both N'Golo Kante and Rafael Varane. V- yeah. Varane in particular, I don't mm. think he put a single foot wrong on tournament. I think he's absolutely superb from the word go. Um, he was brilliant in the uh, quarter and semi-finals. And I think it's just a classic case of, well, he's a defender. Mm. And Kante's a yeah. defensive midfielder, so they're not sexy enough. We'll get the the flowing midfielders and the pacey attackers as the options. So I felt a bit bad for them because I thought they should have been in the conversation a little bit more than they seem to be. Yeah, mm. yeah fair enough, yeah. I uh, I think they're all... There wasn't really one standout player, to be honest with you. I didn't think there really was one who, you know, really grabbed the, the tournament. I think Mbappe stood out because he he was he's obviously so young and stuff. But to be honest with you, like, you know, I watched France-Uruguay and he, he didn't really... No, he had quite a moment. I think it's because when he does something, he's so fast yeah. that it just—it's it, a watching him do the things he do does well is an electrifying and exciting experience. You know, he doesn't yeah. just constantly good; he, just, he does incredible things. I think to be fair to him, he provided a lot of match-changing moments, didn't he? Absolutely. Which is, yeah. You know, what more can you really ask for? I suppose, but um, I personally, I, I think I go Paul Pogba. I think he was brilliant, st- start to finish. I think he was really, really good. He. He f- what something he hasn't done at United is he found the balance between drifting all over the place and actually, you know, holding his shape and positionally and stuff. I thought he's I thought he's brilliant. Yeah, I think I I think I go Pogba. But I, pro- I don't think as I say I don't think there was really one massive standout player. How much of the you saying about his positional awareness there and that? How much of that do you think might have had something to do with the fact that he's playing alongside Kante though? Kante yeah. seems to have this effect on the players around him whereby anyone who plays next to him looks ten times better. <laughs> And maybe, and obviously Matic perhaps does a similar sort of thing at United. But if you put Kante into that uh, United team, would it not kick Pogba on that extra level? Do you know what I mean? Mm, maybe, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously it's hypotheticals. You can't, you can't ever really know. I doubt Kante is going to sign for United anytime <laughs> soon. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I agree though. I think Pogba, he's proved a lot of people wrong. Yeah. I think, you know, he's proven that he's not just some sort of frivolous luxury player and that actually when he's on his game, Bloody good. Yeah. yeah. I think I, the thing is with him, because he, he, I think everyone knows how good he is, but he, he does so many silly things and, mm. he, and he does things that he, he makes the wrong decisions quite often. And I think he cut that out this World Cup. And and he, it's, there was sometimes he did a little step over or, or you know, he, he took his time in the ball, but he, he did it at the right times. He did it at the right moments. Um, 
Whereas when he was in, you know, in in his own his own third, there was no messing about. He, he was getting it out, and he was driving forward and, and passing the ball. That that pass for actually his own goal in the end, his well, his sorry, his goal, not his own goal. Um, the, his pass to Mbappe, and obviously then Mbappe kind of dribbled inside, mm-hmm. and the ball walked its way back to Pogba to, to score. It was it was brilliant that pass. That was absolutely was that, superb. Was that yes. Oh, you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think Ruined I think it. one of the issues sounds is really good. One of Pogba's issues is he has a habit of randomly drifting out of games. Mm. And he didn't do that at all this World Cup. You see it with United. He'll just have two or three games in a row where he just doesn't do anything. Mm. He just seems to disappear and then Roy Keane comes on the telly and tell, tells us it's all about his haircut. And that's the reason <laughs> yeah. that he's been terrible for the last month. And I didn't see the ITV coverage, um, so I don't know if Roy Keane felt the need to bring up his haircut nope. after he just played superbly well in the World Cup final. Roy Keane even said that he was allowed to take selfies and dance. After winning the World Cup, wow. this, yeah. this is the only thing. This is why I'm hesitant to praise Pogba because, of course, he had to take get a photo of himself dabbing uh, with I the World that. Cup final. I love that. that I'm too old and grumpy for dabbing. So that was the World Cup special, just outside the box podcast. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I've been your host, George Kelsey. Been joined by Jason Jones, who is currently shotting Tropicana, <laughs> genuinely. Uh, Matt Gregory as well. Thank you for coming, and Michael Plant as well. Merci Thank you very much. Uh, if you want to give us a follow on Twitter, it's at JOTB Pod, and we're also on Facebook. So uh, please, no hate. <laughs>